when you stop worrying about what everyone else is doing, it becomes an easier road. And then also to think about the people who need you. For me, and, and that's why Mumsy Marketing is just like absolutely so you can see you can see me <laughs> like like it fills me up. It fills me up because it's not I don't think I'm marketing myself. I can see thousands of women and championing them is everything. Welcome to the Big Careers Small Children podcast, formerly known as Leaders with Babies podcast. My name is Verena, I'm your host and I'm the CEO and founder of the Social Enterprise Leaders Plus. And I've set up this podcast and our award-winning Leaders Plus Fellowship program because I want to give you access to inspiration and practical support so you can continue to progress your career whilst enjoying your young children in a way that works for you and your family. Today's podcast guest is someone that has been recommended to me by lots of people I know and I keep being told that I must interview her, so I did. And it was a really brilliant conversation. Her name is Claire Ferreira. She's a marketing leader and also runs the group, the Mums in Marketing. And she and I were comparing notes about how to create some really powerful peer support communities. Um, she with the Mums in Marketing, I with Leaders Plus Fellowship. Um, she and I talk about imposter syndrome, about mental health challenges and dealing with them. And also we talk openly about pay and how we overcome our own internal doubter when it comes to asking for a pay rise or, or for asking to be to be paid fairly. So it was actually a bit of a different conversation in that she also interviewed me, which I didn't quite see coming, but it was really lovely to have a two-way conversation. And hopefully you get quite a few practical things from it to take forward. And all to say that if you're listening to this in March 2022, the applications are now closed for the Leaders Plus Fellowship Programme. Um, we're really excited about really brilliant applications that we've received and many of the podcast listeners are among them. So we'll get back to you very shortly once we've sifted through everything and can't wait to match you with a senior leader mentor and to start those small group coaching discussions with you. So Enjoy today's conversation, and if you want to keep in the loop with what we do, then head over to leadersplus.org.uk forward slash newsletter to stay involved. On to today's conversation. A very warm welcome, Claire, to the podcast. I am delighted to finally have a chance to do this. We both had sick children, and, and or I think I, I had sick children, and, and we've had a bit of back and forth to arrange this, but I'm so thrilled because... You're someone that lots of people in my life talk really highly of and can't wait to chat to you properly. Why don't we start with you introducing yourself, who you are and who is in your family and what you do for work. Thank you, Brennan. Thank you for that beautiful introduction there. My name's Claire Pereira and I am the founder of Mums in Marketing, which is a free online community for amazing mums who work in marketing. And from that as well, we have our MIMS membership an NLP coach and I'm starting to become a speaker as well which is a a new kind of thing for me who's in your family you're obviously a mum given you are running mums in marketing you are a mum so who's in your family those ones the ones that keep like eating all the food okay I'm married to Helda I've been married to Helda for 
I think it's like around 12 years now. Who knows? It's all blurry now. <laughs> I'm married to Helda, who is Portuguese, and we have two beautiful children together. We've got Claudia, who will be 11 in April, and we've got Rafa, short for Raphael, who is four in May. So they're my team who live in the house. Mm, and those are great, great names. We were just chatting about having names that are, you know, my name is is often mispronounced and, and it sounds like your partner's name as well. So did you say, sorry, you're married? Apologies. Yeah, we are. Yeah. Uh, I'm not, which is why I'm assuming anyone else isn't, um, <laughs> which is the wrong the wrong assumption to have. But yeah, uh, I think it's really interesting choosing children and names for your children at work in both your home country and your partner's or husband's wife's home country. Um, so yeah, I can see how Claudia and Rafael work both in Portuguese and British. Good choice. I'm interested just about your own story. How come you set up Mums in Marketing? What led to this? Well, <laughs> there's a story. Everyone sit back and make yourself a drink. It really came from my own experiences. And, you know, being in marketing pre-children was just... Well, marketing is absolutely my passion. I am particularly around brand. I'm pretty obsessed. You know, we 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 talk about it in Mumsy Marketing. I'm one of the people who picks up business cards and and feels the weight and the stock and is running my hand over the any embossing and you know I am so in that experience. But I come from pre digital marketing, so really. I bounced around for a long time, you know, coming out of school and was in and out of jobs. And it was either going to be sales or marketing. I really loved working with people. And eventually I found my marketing home, working in radio in Leeds. And I did the marketing and events for the radio station. And at one point I was like, oh, do I want to be on the radio? But I'm going to share something with you. And I once covered a show for a period of time. Radio is really hard because you have to be good at maths because you have to like count back, you know, when it hits news on time. And I could never really do that. So a career in radio was not for me because I couldn't count us up to the news correctly and time all the songs. But that time working for a radio station was just incredible. It was really about relationship building and the opportunity to really extend our brand. You know, driving around the roundabout twice when I saw the campaigns that were up on the big boards and seeing campaigns on the back of buses, seeing, feeling when our audience share was going up and feeling that contribution. And that time as well in terms of culture was really fundamental for me. And when I had Claudia, I remember standing up in the office. Now, I share this story in, in our community, Mums in Marketing. So there I was, you know, nearly nine months pregnant. And I remember vividly standing up in the office and saying, this baby is going to fit in with my life. Not the other way around. <laughs> You're smiling knowingly. I do that to the, to the me of them. I smile knowingly to that because, you know, that for me was, was not the case. So the minute Claudia was born, I went from being absolutely all encompassing. Like my career was everything. And in fact, I don't think I necessarily, I didn't see it as career actually. Where I worked was family. 
So they'd see me, you know, I'd lived overseas, I'd come back, they'd settled me in. I didn't actually have a lot of close family near me. I, I still don't. So my work family were everything. Then they saw me meet Helda, we married. Then I be, So they saw me really through every step of it. And then having Claudia just was like, blew my life up because I'd gone from being so singularly focused around work to then, well, A, being responsible for a human, which just like blew my mind. I'd never owned more than a car. I didn't have a mortgage. All of a sudden, someone was like, there you go. Good luck with that. (laughs) And that there was a two-year period for me that was just like, it's hard to explain, I think, because everyone's circumstances are so different. You know, I hear, when I hear women go back to work um, after maternity and can't wait to get back to work, everything is so different. For You know, would you agree, Verena? Our, our own experiences are so personal. Yeah, definitely. I think, but everyone has an opinion. The yeah. right experience is like, and I yeah. think it's so important to just allow people to have their own experience. And we're yes. not we cannot and shouldn't make judgments on what how other people are being parents. And there are so many thousands of ways of being a good parent. So true. It's so true. There is no blueprint and you don't know as well until you're in it. So it's so your experience. So for me, two years of trying to adapt where I'd been, you know, running at full pelt, so, so focused. And I often talk about like, being the most, you know, and I'll say this, but annoying mum at baby group because, like, I always saw the angle. I remember they were once talking about redo it, like they wanted to do a little garden outside of baby group, and they were kind of, t- I was straight in there. Yes, let's get some partners in. We could get it sponsored. We could get some media coverage, you know. I was all over it for them, and they were like, no, no, it's fine. You know, I saw an immediate campaign opportunity. <laughs> and I was like... Okay, I'll just not say anything else. So went back to, after having Claudia, left work, decided I couldn't make sense of that 24 hours a day, seven days a week within media, to being present and understanding my own experience around parenting, which was unique for other aspects as well that I'm sure will come on to. And the not having family thing, I don't know if it's the same for you, Verena, but not having family close by was hard. It was hard. So to detract, but yes, I'm in the same position. How do you get around it? Is there a magic bullet for you? Well, I drink a lot of coffee for a start because there's, there's no weekends off. You know? <laughs> there's a lot of reflection and I think a lot of forgiveness as well goes on. Both for me and my husband, you know, it's recognising that there aren't those spaces, those breaks. And again, with full recognition that everyone's circumstances are different. You know, for individuals who are parenting on their own, oh my God, like on a pedestal for me, absolute gods and goddesses. Yeah, yeah. And for us, yeah, not having that space has been something that, you know, we had a baby and that was it. That was it. So I don't know, again, if, if there's an answer, but I think for us, a lot of forgiveness, understanding that circumstances mm. can sometimes feel intense, 
Yeah, I really like this idea of actually you just accept it and I've never looked at it that way. So I'm still on the hunt for a magic bullet. Well, actually, I had a small magic bullet, which is, again, probably not relevant for other people. But I we had a month of the baby being ill so, so much, twice in hospital for about, you know, several nights on oxygen, very, very exhausting. And I physically needed a, a break. I needed to just lie on the sofa, do nothing, which with three children isn't that feasible. And our mind-laws live in Leeds in Yorkshire. We had this long planned family weekend to go and visit them. And I said to my partner to just, he takes the other two kids, he goes and I stay and I rest. Now, obviously with a baby, there's a certain amount of resting, but it, I can so highly recommend it. It was the best ever holiday. It was two nights on my own in London where I live. And I went to museums, I watched TV in the afternoon, I sat on the sofa, I went to have lunch in very nice restaurants all by myself with the baby and I was I went to bookshops which I love, I read so much and I'm just, it was so wonderful. Um, so anyways, and for me that was a real relevation because I always thought in order to be a good mother I had to not chicken out of looking after my eldest which given what I do for work is a bit ridiculous but I realized that that was an un, you know an unconscious assumption I had but it was amazing to just be with one child and send them away it was so so brilliant so I know that obviously not everyone can do that and it depends if you have even got family in the country but anyways we, we totally <laughs> no but I love that and I think you've highlighted something there as well that, that comes up around you know our own needs but also the beliefs that we have around parenting and I mean just to add to your point as well one thing that I never mentioned you know it's okay same forgiveness and space also great childcare. not gonna lie like that is so without that like you know things are coming down and it is the eternal struggle <laughs> but those beliefs and those stories that you hear around parenting and then bringing into that you know, your own personal experiences. So for me, that, and this kind of impacted it later life as well, I'd been brought up in an environment where you worked hard to do mm. well. That was the message. You worked hard. And for a while, I was trying to do that when I went back to work. And what I didn't recognize was I was already bloody working hard. For two years, I didn't sleep. But then plowed into freelancing with all of this messaging and belief, you work hard. And when I reflect back now, that was kind of how I, in a good, like it brought me great things. So knowing that I ran at a pace that was maybe not going to be sustainable with a child as well. Definitely. And actually, even if you don't have children, you might want more from life than just doing work. And you might still want to do really, really well at work. But actually, yeah. we should all, I think, we should all try to live a full life as much as we can. Yeah, the life that has a purpose and makes a difference and all that cheesy stuff. I think marketing is an interesting one because it's quite a full-on thing, isn't it? It's it's not, you know, it can be quite 24-7 depending on where you work. And I think there's something about a lot of marketing professions I know are really good at marketing other people's stuff, but are quite careful about marketing 
themselves. And you obviously, you went from employed to self-employed, which means you do have to market yourself to an extent. What did you learn about marketing that then you then applied to marketing yourself? That's an interesting question because I would say when I went into freelances, you know, and what I've learned since that point, so which kind of led to Mumsy Marketing as well. So went into freelance and actually the route that I chose was, sorry, the way the clients that I worked with um, were from networking. I got clients through networking, but I also worked with a client who had known me from my employed days. So they knew exactly what I could do and they were absolutely confident in that. The difficulty I had was recognising that myself. Couldn't take that on board, that they were absolutely fine. And I, and it was a big gig. that they And I was like, hang on a minute. All of a sudden, I'm not in that corporate environment. I don't just have someone to call or someone to chat about it with or, you know, just bounce the ideas around. In terms of marketing myself with them, and that then led on to the struggles and really feeling that sense of imposter feeling like an imposter, loss of confidence, which then led on to some mental health struggles as well for me because I couldn't make sense of it. And marketing myself. So I'm a coach now, and that came from, thank you to the amazing Mums in Marketing community because seeing others in a similar situation made me want to, to do more. So I'm a mum in marketing who is a coach. And the one thing that has stood out to me is when marketing yourself you can turn it around it can sometimes become about your identity and you're not behind the wall of talking about an organization so you've got that separation when you freelance and you're talking about yourself that can then feel like it's about the whole of you you know and switching off from that oh gosh I don't want to like talk about myself on too much and I don't want to look like this and trying to worry about what everyone else is thinking. And if there is one thing as a coach that that I have that really um, helps me even now is that comparisonitis. When you stop worrying about what everyone else is doing, it becomes an easier road. And then also to think about the people who need you. For me... And and that's why Mumsy Maxim is just like absolutely so you can see you can see me <laughs> like like it fills me up. It fills me up because it's not I don't think I'm marketing myself. I can see thousands of women and championing them is everything. So it's I don't see it as marketing me. Yeah, actually that is such a good way around it. It's it's basically you you are your purpose in a way, which is by the sound of it is about making a difference to those mums in marketing, some of which are employed, some of which are free- freelance. And actually then it doesn't matter anymore. You know, it doesn't matter anymore. And I really like that. And I, I feel passionately that we all can benefit from thinking about what our purpose is and what, what drives us. But you also mentioned about switching off comparisonitis. What do you practically do to switch off from one like do you not get those urges anymore to compare yourself or what do you do practically what how's your life different so when I trained into coaching and I'm trained in NLP which is you know a huge passion of mine because it's just amazing and when you start to 
look around coaching, of course, you tracked great marketing by the people uh, who need to hear that. So you get all of the coaching ads. And this is one thing. So you can innocently be searching around doing some research. You might be thinking about going into a career. You might be thinking about shifting from part-time to or full-time or or however it's looking. All of a sudden, social media is going to give you what you need around that. So there I was starting to look about coaching and looking to coaching and getting all these ads about amazing coaches. What? So practically, to answer your question, I don't get involved in it. I block ads. I unfollow because I recognize that is it serving me in serving Mumsy Marketing to see that? Because then it's becoming about me and that is is not my thing. There's only, you know, the group of people who matter or who I'm coaching or who I'm working with, being there for them and being present for them. So that's been a big thing for me. And you all, I remember someone once talking to me about it and say, it's almost like you need permission to do that. You kind of worry that some people, oh, they've unfollowed me on LinkedIn. But the real, the benefits, if you can think about, okay, how would it feel to just not be involved in that? And I'm a great fan of saying the body doesn't lie. So if you ever kind of see anything on social media or read something and the physical reaction is around, you know, it's less than resourceful. It's not going to help you do your thing, live your purpose, all of that. Can I just say, I'm a proper Vansley girl. And if you just said to me, like, years and years ago that I'd be talking about living your purpose, I'd have laughed in your face. And I love that that has been like a transformation. So, yeah, do your thing and notice when it's not helping. Mm. Unplug from it, block it, unfollow, do what you need. Absolutely do what you need. Because you see such a fraction from that you know in the ads and in the posts you don't know sometimes it's not even that person who's written the post so you're seeing the tip of the iceberg and we talk about that but it's it's a true reality so that is how I deal with comparison I love this idea of of using your body to judge when it's having a negative impact on you and just unfollowing unfollowing people I couldn't agree more and I think also just knowing that you're only shown especially with social media or even just when you meet people in real life you're only shown an extract from their life um I recently got MB which is very lovely but I know I know it's very lovely although I I would like to say I think it should be a it should be called member of British excellence rather than empire I've got some issues about it being empire you know I think there's some quite negative connotations there. But either way, so anyway, so I got that. And on the same day when I got that, I was in tears because I really didn't know how I could do it. And, and so I think, you know, obviously getting an MBE is, sounds amazing. It's amazing. Of course it is. But also on the day I found out I had come home from hospital, I completely sleep, sleep deprived. And I do not well do well with sleep deprivation and I don't sleep well in hospital. My Baby was on oxygen because bronchiolitis seems to be very common at the moment. So anyway, so I was completely safety derived. I was like, how am I going to go and do anything? I've got so much work to do. Baby doesn't want to go to nursery. Partner is brilliant, but baby right now only wants to be on my breast. And I feel guilty about handing him over. <laughs> so, you know, I had all these things going on. And yet it looked very lovely that I got this MBA. And I actually only... Only a week after I got it, I put it on social media because I just felt like so overwhelmed 
with everything that was going on in my family to do anything. So yeah, so I guess the point I'm trying to make is that what is going on in your life is definitely not what is on social media necessarily. And even someone like you or I, you know, we enjoy our work, we we thrive on it, we are very lucky in that we can do something that is about your purpose. Even someone, you know, even we some have days where we completely feel like failures or where things go really badly or where we just cannot um, do anything. Anyways, so I just wanted to say that as an example. You mentioned about having mental health challenges as, as a result of the free... I don't want to put words into your mouth, but it's, it sounds like the, the shift to freelance and that imposter really had a yeah. big impact. And I'm so in admiration of you for talking openly about that. I cannot tell you how much I admire you for it. I'm interested in, in did you expect to have? So I thought a lot about this before coming uh, to talk to you because I didn't. I was the person... You know, I was that person on social media who this would have not happened to. I mean, I'm pre-social media. But if you'd have known me then, and I'm pointing to the back of me, <laughs> no, that that was not my experience. However, I'd witnessed it. I'd witnessed it close firsthand. And my dad had had a long... I'm hearing the word battle, and I don't think that that's the right word. I'd had a long experience of mental illness and the challenges around that. And so I'd witnessed it, which had almost sent me in the other direction. So I was, I didn't have a lot of family support. My dad was hospitalized for a long time. Didn't have a lot of contact. My mum now lived overseas. I'm here with a baby. But, you know, all the evidence had been that I was like super resilient. And I, there was a thing. I was known for making it happen. So, you know, that, response that I talked about earlier about the baby will fit in I was going to make it happen I would just get back to what I perceived as normal but of course there was there was a new normal in town and the mental health challenges for me were around imposter syndrome for me were overwork so feeling like I wasn't enough led to me overworking so working late at night I was knackered but working late at night, checking, 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 double checking, up and down the motorway, worrying at night, making making anything that I was talking about a reflection on me personally, as opposed to about the work. So I was talking earlier about identity. And I was once driving down uh, the motorway and I had a panic attack on the motorway. I, I remember it. So clearly, so vividly, the body is an amazing thing. We'll take you right back there. And I had no idea what was happening. And it started from that point, really. And that was, you know, the point where my body was kind of like, this is enough. The body will work in, and the mind will work together. And, and the panic attack started. And that led to a couple of years of me just being stop, start, stop, start. You know, there was anxiety. And, and for a long time, I didn't talk about it. And I, d I don't know where that could, like the perception that, so I think there were a couple of things for me. You know, I'd been Claire, pre-children, in the thick of it. This identity that I'd had, all of a sudden then there'd been a shift to being a mother. And my peers as well, because I, I had Claudia later on, my peers didn't necessarily all ha have young children. So I was making new friendship groups, trying to find my way around that, then trying to find my way around work. And then all of a sudden, 
overachiever, icing on the cake, panic attacks and seeing that side of it as well. And I didn't talk about it for a long time. And when I started Mums in Marketing, and you and I spoke about this before, my husband was super protective and, and didn't necessarily want, coming from a loving place, I won't say he didn't want me to talk about it, that's unfair, but he was concerned when we're talking about it. But I was so sure that there'd been this feeling of a mask for so long, trying to live up to something that was in, in my mind, that it was enough. It was enough. And I was determined, it's making me feel a bit emotional now. Um, I was determined that I would just be honest because I felt that there were other women who needed to see that. And that as well, you can be confident in some situations and not in others. It's not like a 100% time. You talked about, you know, this incredible achievement and congratulations to you. This incredible achievement alongside feeling the feelings of overwhelm. For me, absolute confidence and passion about the incredible women I'm so lucky to be part of, this incredible community. And I still won't drive on a motorway. There are times where it's ebbs and flows. And I talk about that now. I talk about, yep, panic attacks and anxiety and good days, better days than others. You are such an inspiration for talking honestly about it. And it happens so so often and probably it will happen to most of us at some point in our lives. I saw a stat around from mine that it, it's one one in four people at any time have a a diagnosable mental health condition. And sadly, if you do the maths, that really really adds up. I can see that this this is clearly you know a very an issue that affects you. Would you like to just let me know if you would like to take a break? I'm very happy to do that. Oh, you're so kind. I'm fine. Honestly, I'm fine. It's just, I think for me, again, whenever I think of, I think about that, I have for me, and I'll talk about it in the community, for so long, I felt that no one else was feeling what I felt. And now I'm on the other side and I am looking for that woman who feels that way because we are a community of women who are supporting each other. You know, that sense of trying to figure it out on your own, trying to juggle the juggle, wondering, wondering, wondering. And, and you know, for me, it, it was a big, I went back into employed and, and again, inflamed all the other feelings of imposter syndrome. And it was, you know, it's been, it's been a roller coaster, <laughs> but it's got a great ending. And I think that situations, like I say, for me, the learning has been the ebbs and flows noticing what else is going on mm. so when you're really tired as you touched upon noticing the impact that that can have you can look at one thing one day and it's huge and the next day it might feel different that is so true and we should probably say at this stage if if anyone feels that they they connect to these issues and and are affected then it's really important to seek help and there are things that you might not know that your gp or your family doctor can do for you so definitely do reach out if you are feeling affected by that and obviously there's also a mental health crisis line i think in most in most local authorities in england so i think it's very interesting what you talk about community and obviously the last few years with COVID have been quite isolating. And there's very strong evidence that for our mental health to be strong and, and you know, really positive mental health, being connected 
matters so, so much. And both you and I, we've created communities in our own, own field, I with the fellowship and you with the mums in marketing community. And it's quite funny because I wasn't aware of your work with these thousands of women until I had a previous fellow of mine, Sam Bethune, who said, you know, you should speak to this lady, Claire. She's unbelievable. She really creates this magic, even if it's just online. And then Lynn, who's also working for me, Lynn Peachy, who's a, a fanta- also, as Sam is, a fantastic um, marketing leader, um, who's working free- freelance for me. She spoke so, so highly of you and the, the magic of how you create a supportive community. Now I'm thinking there are probably a few people who are listening and who might be, I know at least, you know, a lot of our fellows are listening and are actually setting up their own communities of support for parents at work, maybe at their workplace or maybe in their local area. What's the magic sauce? What do you do or what do you think creates that really powerful transformational community? Huh. I'm going back to the time because as you framed it there I'm going back to the time where I thought I'm going to talk about it the the day that I decided to Mm. to create Mums of Marketing and it came from my own experiences and and as we said you know not wanting someone else to feel that way and I remember literally pressing the button and thinking right here we go I was terrified I was terrified because I was going to talk about something that I'd been not talking about for a while and the one thing that absolutely blew me away was that these incredible women would then say, I feel the same, feel the same. So I think if there's anything, it's just do you, do you. If you're thinking about creating a community, be yourself. So interesting. So it's very fascinating to hear you say this. And I, I recognize that. Um, you know, when we do the fellowship program, we never record, well, almost never record the sessions and the speakers, even though people tell us we want it to be recorded if we can't be. And the reason why is because we really want to allow people to tell the honest story and be themselves. And I think it's fascinating. The reason why I'm smiling as you're saying this is because on my bookshelf here, there's this book by Carol Robinson, Connect, summarizing some of the research of how you what creates deep connections between people and its self-disclosure is an extremely important connection tool. So if anyone is listening to this and wants to create a community where people are really honestly, authentically supporting each other, then sadly, or positively, it starts with you taking a really brave step to self-disclose. And the other thing that Carol Robinson says, and I've actually done a podcast with her, so if you look for her name, oh, it'll be yeah. in there. But yeah, so Carol Robin also says that it has you have to self-disclose something that is a bit scary to disclose. And that's the way to go. So if you just say, well, at home I have two donkeys and I like to skydive, that is not what connects the community. It's doing these very brave, the research says it's those brave things. So you somehow instinctively knew this. I'm sure you know you have done it. So that's quite interesting, isn't it? It really it is because I've never I've never heard that and yeah, it, it was terrifying because the thing is, I'd been saying while I was freelancing, oh, you know, I'll do your marketing for you. And then all of a sudden I was like, poof, I'm not really that sure, to be fair. 
marketing is moving really quick and I've got children and every time I have a baby, there's something else going on and I didn't come up through digital, so I don't know it through osmosis. So everything is a learning for me, which feels hard. Starting to talk about that. And then the emotional aspect of, and I feel a fraud and recognizing how that confidence and and to do that it was absolutely terrible then to add in like and i've had panic attacks i mean there was a few like deep breathing moments i'm not gonna say that it was i just was like ta-da you know it was so as i say for me what happened was it, it it wasn't about me it was about the woman that i knew was waiting to find her people. The mum in marketing who was looking for someone who could just walk her through uh, something that was happening right now, just really quick, could just like break it down. The woman who was managing an agency, who and this was me, they were using words that she wasn't entirely au fair with. (laughs) I used to be Googling on the phone calls, like what? Because I'd been hallucinating (laughs) from all the coffee. (laughs) You know, my boy was up all night. I was like, yes, everything's fine. <laughs> that is so funny. That is really funny. I'm picturing this now, you managing an agency while on the floor to a client, <laughs> Googling what they're actually saying. No, I'm coming across, I'm sure, very professional. But I think we all do this and we don't talk about it enough. I, I'm sure I've done it. I really want to ask you about money as well, if you don't mind. Because, not because I think we should all be greedy, but... I really think I'm seeing this so often is that people don't believe they're worth a certain salary or especially as a freelancer, you have to price yourself and people will always ask for a discount. I'm sure your mum's in marketing. Some of them are freelancers and I'm sure they get asked on a daily basis about a discount. So yeah, I'm just interested in your reflections. Have you experienced worries about not, or have you seen people worry about not being worth a certain amount of money and what's your advice for for them um i think that is a really interesting question and there's a couple of elements to it dependent on your experiences around what money is and and it can feel like sometimes you can hear i don't want to take that salary because i don't want the pressure so sometimes it can feel like if i price myself lower or if the salary is lower that's going to be manageable for all of the eight billion things in my life incredible parents managing all the things so i think for organizations there's there's maybe a a learning opportunity there is to pay well and reassure (laughs) reassure parents that you know their families can be the first thing in their life and on the other side to notice when you are making that connection between money, meaning, pressure, which can come from experience, absolutely. But what's the learning and then applying that? You can absolutely earn that money. You can absolutely, you know, know what is right for you. Be mm-hmm. open about that. I think so. And I think there's there's one thing. So if you don't think you get paid what you should be paid, and if you are a woman listening to this, then you definitely don't need to blame yourself because sometimes people say, oh, women don't ask for pay rises. But actually, that is not true. There is a research that show that is not true. But what is true is that women get rejected slightly more often. But I think, I mean, I don't know how the listeners feel and how you feel, but 
I definitely always feel kind of linked to the imposter syndrome. There's something about being worried about charging. And I now get approached quite often to be a speaker, as as you are. <laughs> and my partner and I, we both have similar size social enterprises. He in space mid minds ahead. It's a brilliant social enterprise supporting teachers and school leaders to support mental health in schools. And obviously I run Leaders Plus. And it's so interesting, you know, he how he does not feel worried about charging for his time at all. And I did at first. And now I have a small mental trick, which is I will always charge 10% more than what my gut feeling is comfortable with. Because then I know that is probably the right thing. Because I know gut feeling wise, I will undercharge. So I just have to add that 10%. And I think that for me is really, really good way of protecting myself against, you know, undermining myself. I love it. First of all, what an absolute like mega team you two are in that house. Like, absolute fair play to you both. So for me, there was a point where it, it changed for me, so kind of similar to what you talked about. And it came through coaching, so clients will talk about confidence, and that can go to money as well. And there's a point where, so if money's not your driver, if money is not the thing that really lights you up, which can sound a bit strange, but if you're driven by other things, so you, Verena, as a, you know, the people for you doing the work that you do is probably like at the absolute top of your your whole hierarchy. And money would come in there, but it's maybe not your major thing. So if money's not your driver, when you ask for more money or going into negotiation, there can sometimes be this, there's a something. There's a something, you know, a bit like when you've you've eaten a delicious meal and, and there's a bit that's got stuck. It's that feeling of it's not quite right. There's something off. Whereas actually identifying the role that money plays in your driver. So for you, enabling you to do the work that you do, having that money being paid fairly is there to deliver that. For me, so you have the 10%. I envisage thousands of mums in marketing waiting for me to ask that extra money and then they will i like I want, it i want I like them it. to ask for it because actually by you not asking for it you're gonna sorry this is the negative spin on it but by you not asking for it you're gonna make it harder for anyone else who actually is worth it to ask that same question i think it's interesting to lean into you know new experiences sometimes we can feel like ah that feels a lot and and sometimes it's reflecting that it, it it could be that it's new, that it feels a lot because it's new, but we as humans do new things all the time. And there's an incredible woman called Michelle Jimmer, which I would I would say go everybody have a look at Michelle's stuff. And she once said something to me, and it absolutely blew me down. And it was the sense of around asking for more money. That feeling, hang on, sorry, because would you believe it? This is in, in the sense of true authenticity, the shame attached around that whole conversation with money. Oh, you know, what will the thing can, if I get turned down? And, and going through all the possibilities. But the thing is, if you relate money to what your absolute top level passion is, what will money enable you to do? It's not about the money. It's about the freedom. What will it enable you to do? If you're an employed role, looking for, you know, a pay rise or negotiating, what will that enable you to do? 
Is it you'll get to spend more time with your kids? Will you be able to go out? Will you be able to, um, you know, whatever is right for you. And that is is the thing. And I just want to quickly come back to a point as well, Verona, that you, that you mentioned there about the perception of why don't women ask for more? And I saw a post on LinkedIn once around that. Why are women not pushing back more around the conversation, you know, with salary negotiation? And I really strongly felt, well, why should they? Like, just put the money on the table. It's not our job. Mm. shouldn't be on us to ask for more. Exactly. And we definitely shouldn't blame women for, for not asking properly. Absolutely. Lynn, who is managing, well, some of the technical aspects of this podcast, and <laughs> she will tell me that I have to come to an end. Um, even though I think I could be like, we have to do a second episode at some point. Later. <laughs> There's so much more to talk about, but she will tell me off if this is uh, <laughs> going on for too long. Well, but I think it would be, it'd be good to just understand. You meant we mentioned mums in marketing in different shapes of forms, yes. but exactly who is allowed to join, and then also where can find people out more about about yep. your work and you, and how can they connect with you? Thank you for this opportunity. And Lynn, we are taking it on board that we need to finish. Thank you. Good for, for keeping to time. So Mums in Marketing is a community for mums who work in marketing. So you can find us on Facebook. I'm also on LinkedIn, Claire Ferreira. So you can you can find me there. And I coach as well. So you can get in touch with me. We have a website. Yes, that's the bit I should have added in. See, look at that smooth marketing. <laughs> Mumsinmarketing.net. You can find out more about our free online community. So this is just like a huge passion because Mumsy Marketing have come together. We have created and we are building our own membership. So we work together, we train together, we connect and collaborate. So all of the messaging around going elsewhere for training, we believe we have uh, incredible skills ourselves so you can get involved. If you'd like to talk to me about either speaking or workshops. So one thing that I've become increasingly interested in, as we talked about around speaking, and it's come from the incredible community, is culture and community. So if you want to speak to me about either community, building communities at work, in the workplace or online or speaking, then you can uh, drop me a line. It's claire at mumsinmarketing.net. Verena, did I cover it all off there? I that think you like did. A really did. long. Well done. Well done. I'm pleased you actually, you know, as a marketing professional, I was expecting you to remember everything and you did. Well done. <laughs> I would like us to finish just with two or three practical things that you think someone who's suffering from imposter syndrome and has a big thing coming up, maybe presentation, maybe um, asking for something that they want to ask, two or three practical things that they might be able to do this week to help themselves yeah oh yay so first one would be to again as we touched on earlier listen to your body so we often sit at a laptop um and we'll be preparing either researching an interview or presentation etc and actually that physical shape is also the same shape that you may assume in times of stress or trauma you know you will actually curl up so if ever you start to notice that there may be some feelings of anxiety honestly stand up stand up and um if if you can actually do the call or the presentation wherever it may be standing up 
putting your shoulders back, but in a way that's comfortable. So actually what this does is it assumes, lets your body know and your mind know that actually you're not at a time of stress or worry. So standing up is my first tip. Changing your environment. If you can, have a little walk before. Big gulp of fresh air, opening up your perspective. When the feelings of imposter syndrome, and and the two are different, imposter syndrome is used as like this massive umbrella term. So I'm going to say, actually, if you're confident, if you feel like your confidence might be low, noticing and reassuring yourself of all the times where you've not been confident about something. And I use parenting as an example. You know, we don't get the full, like, written rule book before parenting. It's new, and yet we absolutely, through experience, learn. And we make the tweaks and adaptations as we go. Knowing that you've absolutely done new things before, and it's been fine. Don't have to be an expert around everything, because when you're expert in something, it's probably, that's it. It's all the learning. And releasing yourself from the pressure of having all the answers. So standing up, go for a walk. You don't have to know everything. And you've done it before, I promise you. That's very good advice. Thank you so much, Claire. It was lovely to have you on the podcast. Thank you. Thank you so much for listening today. It's been a bit of a longer conversation, but hopefully very, very useful. If it has been helpful to you in any way, can you please support us by sharing it with a friend? I have really enjoyed seeing listener numbers triple over the last few months. And there's some dream guests of mine, for example, Brené Brown, that I would love to get onto the show, but will need even higher listener numbers for them to be interested to come onto this show. So yes, please do share it. And thank you so much to everyone who's shared it in the last month. Too many to name and who shared it on social media, but for example, Rosie Drake or Katie Lister. Thank you, thank you for all your your help and support. And please do sign up to our Leaders Plus Fellowship Program newsletter. It's leadersplus.org.uk forward slash newsletter and you get every month into your inbox something that I haven't shared on social media before with practical things that you can try and also new ideas for you to consider as you combine a really ambitious career with young children. Um, it's all designed around supporting you to progress your career, your leadership career, because I passionately believe that we need to have more diverse teams, leadership teams, and especially at executive director level. Thank you for listening and have a lovely rest of the week.